Chapter Nine of the Spanish Brothers by Deborah Alcock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Nine: El Dorado Found. So the All Great were the All Loving too. So through the thunder comes a human voice saying, "O oh, heart I made, a heart beats here. Face my hands fashioned, see it in myself." Thou hast no power, nor mayst conceive of mine, but love I gave thee with myself to love, and thou must love me who have died for thee. R. Browning. Three silent months stole away in the old castle of Nuera. No outward event affecting the fortunes of its inmates marked their progress, and yet they were by far the most important months Don Carlos had ever seen, or perhaps would ever see. They witnessed a change in him, mysterious in its progress, but momentous in its results and influence passed over him, mighty as the wind in its azure pathway, but like it visible only by its effects. No man could tell whence it cometh, or whither it goeth. Again it was early morning, a bright Sunday morning in September. Already Carlos stood prepared to go forth. He had quite discarded his student's habit, and was dressed like any other young nobleman, in a doublet and short cloak of Genoa velvet, with a sword by his side. His breviary was in his hand, however, and he was on the point of taking up his hat when Dolores entered the room, bearing a cup of wine and a manchet of bread. Carlos shook his head, saying, I intend to communicate. And you, Dolores, he added, are you not also going to hear Mass? Surely, senor, we will all attend our duty. But there is still time to spare. Your worship sets us an example in the matter of early rising. It were a shame to lose such fair hours as these. Prithee, Dolores, and lest I forget, hast thou something savoury in the house for dinner? Glad I am to hear you ask, senor. Hitherto it has seemed alike to your excellency whether they served you with a pottage of lentils or a stew of partridges. But since Diego had the good fortune to kill that buck on Wednesday, we are better than well provided. Your worship shall dine on roast venison to-day. That will do. And if thou wouldst add some of the batterware in which thou art so skilful, it would be better still, for I intend to bring home a guest. Now the saints help me, that is news. Without meaning offence, your worship might have told me before. Any noble caballero coming to these parts to visit you must needs have bed as well as board found him. And how can I, in three hours more or less? Nay, be not alarmed, Dolores, no stranger is coming here, only I wish to bring the cura home to dinner. Even the self-restrained Dolores could not repress an exclamation of surprise. For both the brothers had been accustomed to regard the ignorant, vulgar cura of the neighboring village with unmitigated dislike and contempt. In old times, Dolores herself had sometimes tried to induce them to show him some trifling courtesies. For their soul's health. They were willing enough to send that beggar, as Don Juan used to call him, presents of meat or game when they could. But these they would not have grudged to their worst enemy. To converse with him or to sit him at their table was a very different matter. He was no fit associate for noblemen, said the boys, and Dolores in her heart agreed with them. She looked at her young master to see whether he were jesting. He likes a good dinner, Carlos added quietly. Let us for once give him one. In good faith, Senor Don Carlos, I cannot tell what has come to you. You must be about doing penance for your sins though I will say no young gentleman of your years has fewer to answer for. Still, to please your whim, the cura shall eat the best we have, though beans and bacon would be more fitting fare for him. 
thank you mother dolores said carlos kindly in truth neither don juan nor i had ever whim yet you did not strive to gratify and who would not do more than that for so pleasant and kind a young master thought dolores as she withdrew to superintend the cooking operations god's blessing and our ladies rest on him and in sooth i think they do three months ago he came here looking like a corpse out of the grave and fitter as it seemed to me to don his shroud than his priest's frock but the free mountain air wherein he was born is bringing back the red to his cheek and the light to his eye thank the holy saints ah if his lady mother could only see her gallant sons now meanwhile don carlos leisurely took his way down the hill having abundance of time to spare he chose a solitary devious path through the cork trees in the pasture land belonging to the castle his heart was alive to every pleasant sight and sound that met his eye and ear although or rather because a low sweet song of thankfulness was all the while chanting itself within him during his solitary walk he distinctly realized for the first time the stupendous change that had passed over him for such changes cannot be understood or measured until afterwards perhaps not always then drawing from his pocket juliana's little book he clasped it in both hands this god be thanked has done it all under him and yet at first it added to my misery a hundredfold then his mind ran back to the dreary days of helpless almost hopeless wretchedness when he first began its perusal much of it had then been quite unintelligible to him but what he understood had only made his darkness darkness still he who had but just learned from that stern teacher life the meaning of sorrow learned from the pages of his book the awful significance of that other word sin bitter hours never to be remembered without a shudder were those that followed already prostrate on the ground beneath the weight of his selfish sorrow for the love that might never be his cruel blows seemed rained upon him by the very hand to which he turned to lift him up all was his own fault said conscience but had conscience enlightened by hood's book said no more he could have borne it it was a different thing to recognize that all was his own sin to feel more keenly every day that the whole current of his thoughts and affections was set in opposition to the will of god as revealed in that book and illustrated in the life of him of whom it told but this sickness of heart deadly though it seemed was not unto death the word had indeed proved a mirror in which he saw his own face reflected with the lines and colours of truth but it had a farther use for him as he did not fling it away in despair but still gazed on at length he saw in its clear depths another face a face radiant with divine majesty yet beaming with tender love and pity he whom the mirror thus gave back to him had been not far from him all his life had been standing over against him watching and waiting for the moment in which to reveal himself at last that moment came he looked up from the mirror to the real face from the word to him whom the word revealed he turned and said unto him rabboni which is to say my master he laid his soul at his feet in love in trust in gratitude and he knew then not until then that this was the coming to him the believing on him the receiving him of which he spoke as the condition of life of pardon and of happiness from that hour he possessed life he knew himself forgiven he was happy this was no theory but a fact a fact which changed all his present and was destined to change all his future he longed to impart the wonderful secret he had found this longing overcame his contempt for the cura and made him seek to win him by kindness to listen to words that perhaps might open for him also the same wonderful fountain of joy now i am going to worship my lord afterwards i shall speak of him he said as he crossed the threshold of the little village church 
In due season the service was over. Its ceremonies did not pain or offend Carlos in any way. He took part in them with much real devotion, as acts of homage paid to his lord. Still, if he had analyzed his feelings, which he did not, he would have found them like those of a king's child, who is obliged, on days of courtly ceremonial, to pay his father the same distant homage as the other peers of the realm, and yet knows that all this for him is but an idle show, and longs to throw aside its cumbrous pomp and rejoice once more in the free familiar intercourse which is his habit and his privilege. But that the ceremonial itself could be otherwise than pleasing to his king, he had not the most distant suspicion. He spoke kindly to the priest, and inquired by name after all the sick folk in the village, though in fact he knew more about them himself by this time than did Father Thomas. The cura's heart was glad when the catechism came to a termination, so satisfactory as an invitation to dine at the castle. Whatever the fair might be, and his expectations were not extravagantly high, it could scarce fail to be an improvement on the ala of which he had intended to make his Sunday repast. Moreover, one favor from the castle might be the earnest of others, and favors from the castle, poor though its lords might be, were not to be despised. Nor was he ill at ease in the society of an accomplished gentleman, as a man just a little better bred would probably have been. A wealthy peasant's son, and with but scanty education, Father Tomas was so hopelessly vulgar that he never once imagined he was vulgar at all. Carlos bore as patiently as he could with his coarse manners, and conversation something worse than commonplace. Not until the repast was concluded did he find an opportunity of bringing forward the topic upon which he longed to speak. Then, with more tact than his guest could appreciate, he began by inquiring, as one himself tended for the priesthood might naturally do, whether he could always keep his thoughts from wandering while he was celebrating the holy mysteries of the faith. Father Tomas crossed himself and answered that he was a sinner like other men, but that he tried to do his duty to our Holy Mother Church to the best of his ability. Carlos remarked that unless we ourselves know the love of God by experience, we cannot love him, and that without love there is no acceptable service. "'Most true, Signor,' said the priest, turning his eyes upwards. "'As the holy St. Augustine saith, your worship quotes from him, I believe.' "'I have quoted nothing,' said Carlos, beginning to feel that he was speaking to the deaf. "'But I know the words of Christ.' And then he spoke out of a full heart of Christ's work for us, of his love to us, and of the pardon and peace which those who receive that trust him. But his listener's stolid face betrayed no new interest— only a vague uneasiness, which increased as Carlos proceeded. The poor parish cura began to suspect that the clever young collegian intended to astonish and bewilder him by the exhibition of his learning and his new ideas. Indeed, he was not quite sure whether his host was eloquently enlarging all the time upon Catholic truths, or now and then mischievously throwing out a few heretical propositions, in order to try whether he would have skill enough to detect them. Naturally, he did not greatly relish this style of entertainment. Nothing could be got from him save a cautious, That is true, Signor. Or, Very good, Your Worship. And as soon as his notions of politeness would permit, he took his leave. Carlos marveled greatly at his dullness, but soon dismissed him from his mind, and took his testament out to read under the shade of the cork-trees. Ere long, the light began to fade, but he sat there still in the fast-deepening twilight. Thoughts and fancies thronged upon his mind, and dreams of the past sought, as even they often did, to reassert the supremacy over his heart. One of those apparently uncountable freaks of memory, which we all know by experience, brought back to him suddenly the luscious perfume of the orange blossoms, called by Spaniards the azahar. 
Such fragrance had filled the air, and such flowers had been strewed upon his pathway, when last he walked with Doña Beatriz in the fairy gardens of the Alcazar of Seville. Keen was the pain that shot through his heart at the remembrance, but it was conquered soon. As he went indoors, he repeated the words he had just been reading. He that cometh unto me shall never hunger, he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And this hunger of the soul, as well as every other, he can stay, having him I have all things. El Dorado yo he trovado. Father, dear unknown father, I have found the golden country, not in the sense thou didst fondly seek, and I as fondly dream to find it, yet the only true land of gold I have found indeed, the treasure unfailing, the inheritance incorruptible, undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for me End of chapter nine